Hi guys, it's Alana Goodchild. You may know me as Flickr, the Sydney Indie Flames mascot. Make sure you tune in to Shooting the Breeze podcasts on Fridays at 4pm. Joining us today on Shooting the Breeze, Alana Goodchild. Flames development player, moved to the Australian Institute of Sports Centre of Excellence. You may also know Alana better as Flickr. Alana Goodchild, welcome to Shooting the Breeze. How have you been? Good, how are you? Really well, thanks. So, Alana, you're, uh, you've been down in Canberra for a few weeks now. How are you settling in? Um, surprisingly, I've settled in quite quickly because I know all of the girls down there since past Australian camps and I've been down at the AIS for multiple camps as well. So I'm in a familiar environment and plus I have Sarah, our old captain down there as one of my coaches. So I have that familiarity down there, which has been really helpful. Having Sarah is not only good for familiarity, but I'm guessing for a few laughs as well. Oh gosh, yes. There's no, I reckon there's no half an hour period there isn't a little sly comment she makes and we're all in stitches, but she just makes it all so much more enjoyable down there. I'm sure that makes it um, easier for that transition to living in Canberra from Sydney. Oh, definitely. I mean, she's been my coach for, I don't know, I think it's maybe four years now and we went on a tour to America together. So we know each other quite well because she knows me both as a player, as she's been my coach and as a person because we've travelled together. So having her down there has been really helpful for me um, as a person to go to. For anybody who's listening who doesn't really know you that well, what position do you play? So I'm a shooting forward. So I started when I was younger as a big, but now since I've gotten older, I sort of stopped growing. So I'm about six foot one, six foot two at the moment. So as you probably know, that's not a center or sort of a forward height. I'm a bit shorter. But since I'm lucky and I can shoot the ball, so I'm sort of a stretch four, a three wing player. So down the AIS, I'm transitioning into a guard position. So that's going to really help my speed and my ball handling and my ability to guard the perimeter. So that's going to be really helpful. It's interesting. You're obviously moving to a lot of different positions. Having played all those different positions, do you think that's helped your game a little bit? Oh, definitely. I mean, for the three position, you have more freedom on the outside, obviously, because you can attack the room and you have more space on the court. But I've always been sort of a strongish player. I still am a strongish player. So the post game, I reckon it's the easiest. I wouldn't say the, I don't know, it it is the easiest position for me because I've done it for so long and I love beating people up sometimes on the court. But um, (laughs) playing the wing, it's, I always think it's more freedom. I think, yeah, I can explore more with the ball and and it's it's sort of an area that I can just show off in a bit because everyone's got your eyes on you and it's easier to see and, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it at the moment. You play at the Hornsby Spiders. How long have you been with the Hornsby Spiders? Um, I've been with Hornsby since top age under 14. So I'm top age under 18s now, so I think that's about four years if I'm doing the maths right. I'm not too sure, but... Yeah, I've, I've been there since. I've been there for a while, love the club. They have great programs going along, great coaches, So, and I wouldn't change it for the world, honestly. So, and for, for any uh, younger kids listening, how old were you when you started playing basketball? I was seven, so in some areas that's sort of a late bloomer because I actually started because my chiropractor, I was going to start in netball just to get some activity in because um, I was already playing AFL at the time with my older brother. 
but I wasn't really a player. I used to hug goalposts. I never really played. I just did the social aspect. So I wanted to pursue a, a sport that was, I don't know, that would benefit me health-wise and mentally-wise. So um, my chiropractor said netball is bad for your knees. So I just went and tried out basketball. And I, it sort of took off from there. I started with the little under 10s and then I tried out for reps and then I just kept going from there, I guess. And yeah. um, so now, as people are aware, you've been involved with the Flames. Um, yeah. Now, how many years have you been involved with the Flames for? For a few a few seasons ago, um, that's when the Flames Academy started to come out. So I was part of that. I was a youngish for that. So I was in year nine. Yeah, I was in year nine, so I was part. I was like the young youngest one on the Flames Academy. I mean, I was pretty out of my depth, but Karen Dalton was really helpful and just like, no, keep going. So she was really helpful in just getting me that position. And so the season after that, I was again Flames Academy, and then the season after that, which is this past year, the 2019-2020 season, I was asked to be the development player for the Flames. So that was amazing because I got to train alongside the professional athletes that they are and in that game environment training environment so I knew what a professional athlete needed to do in order to be successful so that really helped me as a development player how did you slide into being flicker <laughs> well um I actually didn't know if I was going to be flicker for that season because I didn't know if I was oh what what does the development player do sort of thing so um I don't know like I, I just love that personality of being flicker so you need to be a um you need to have a lot of fun you don't really you shouldn't care what other people think of you because if you think about what other people think of you you're not going to have fun so you just got to be silly be out of your comfort zone you got to love working with people being dynamic engaging with the audience and you just got to be stupid really just be very exaggerated but it's cool because not many people know it's you you can just do whatever you like and no one will know it's you. So there's a mask behind it, which is awesome. And it looks like it was pretty hot in that suit. Oh, it's a it's a good workout. I can assure you that it's very hot in there, especially when it's in the middle of summer. That's not fun. But, I mean, it is fun in a sense because, I mean, you're Flicker. Well, let's face it. Flicker's the queen of the kids. <laughs> I'd like to think so as well. <laughs> You, you actually played flicker at, at some of the double headers as well. Yeah, at Kudos. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? That that was intense, I must say, because the steps at the Kudos Bank Arena, they're, they're difficult to step on with the shoes that flicker has. So when when you have to run around, it's you have to really concentrate. And because of the way the head's designed, you can't see your feet properly. So you have to move the head so you can see and it looks like you're unshocked because the hands are in your face when you're holding the mask so you have to be very strategic in where you go in kudos sometimes I like to stick to the ground level because I feel more safe <laughs> but yeah I just love I mean there's so many more people so you don't really get bogged down on um one sort of side like at the Sydney Uni Flames there's one one stand which in a sense it's really easy but then when you get to kudos it's like oh gosh there's so many people that I have to go socialize with or go interact with or but I just I just love being in that environment because no one knows it's you again so you can just be whoever you want to be so what would you say to anybody who's thinking hey I'd really love to be Flickr I mean you have to have an element of fun about you you just have to 
um, interact with kids, just be silly. Um, you shouldn't be afraid to be ostentatious. So you'd love to interact with people and you can't find yourself being immersed in the game because then it looks like you're being passive. So you can't just sit on the sideline and watch the game. I mean, it's quite hard because you obviously want to watch the game, but you have to be more involved. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's very. I mean, I've caught myself off guard just watching the play. Um, so you just to be very exaggerated in the movements. I mean, it's so easy. Um, yeah, just be energetic, I'd say, one of the main things. Energetic and just don't care what other people think about you. What would you say is the biggest basketball achievement you've had so far in your career? There's two that, I mean, I can't not mention. Um, but obviously one being the development player for the Flames. I mean, that's just absolutely boosted my confidence and playing, I think, in so many areas because training alongside professionals, I mean, I think three times a week has been, like, super helpful. Yep. Um, and obviously the second is being asked to the Center of Excellence down at the AIS. So um, those combinations have just really lifted my playing ability, mental ability, um, physical, obviously, and confidence is probably one of the main things. How did you end up there? Did you um, apply for um, for a position down there as part in the program, or were you selected? Um, so the center, it's a selective thing. So I'm just very fortunate that I've been asked to so many Australian events that um, I've had Kristen Veal, the head coach, watch me for so many events um even basketball new south wales events she's come up to and watched so i've known her for quite a few years and having her know who i am um has obviously been very positive so when i got the phone call obviously ecstatic um because that's been a goal of mine for years and years and i know all the girls down there all the athletes because we've obviously been in australian teams together so it is a level of familiarity, so I'm not going in there blinded as if, oh, I don't know what the AIS is or yep. um, who, where am I living, that sort of thing. So I know how it works. Um, yeah. Are you living on campus or are you living close yep. by? No, we live on campus. They call it the um, the residences, the athlete resis. So we call it resis as a short term. So we live on campus. So the walk to the courts is about a three-minute walk, five-minute walk. So there's no travel time, which gives me more time to do other things. It's not used to because I live in Dulwich Hill when I play for Hornsby. I'm used to, what, hour and a half hour travel time. And only being five minutes away from the court gives me so much more time to do other things. So sometimes I'm caught myself just sitting, doing nothing, getting ready for training like an hour and a half before when I don't need to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing having everything on site. You've got the courts. There's six courts that you can use. Um, there's the gym that we use. There's the fields that we use for strength and conditioning. There's a nutritionist we have access to, psychologist, physio, team doctor. There's like everything we need is right in front of us. So we're very privileged and very, oh, we're just given so much and it's so easy to be down there. It's very, very, very good. So that also means that we'll be seeing you um, whenever Sydney's playing Canberra down in Canberra. Yes, definitely. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> and, and how are you yeah. finding Canberra as well? I mean, it's it's really different to Sydney. I don't know because, like I said, Sarah's down there and it's easy to have people that you know down there because that's also a level of familiarity. But as the city's concerned, it's the AIS is quite isolated away from everything. So it's quite hard to get around. So when you do go out um, as a team or with your mates or whoever you want to go out with, it's it's for that period of time. So you make the most of going out for that period of time. I mean, in a sense, 
when you you have a bus pass, obviously you can make your way around. But the AIS, it has everything you need. Really, there's dining hall. You get given food, like you're fed. You you get given everything. So there's only a few extra things that you kind of need when you go out. So we're very privileged in that sense. Everything's kind of at our doorstep. What do you find is the is your greatest challenge or challenges as a player? I guess any player would say injuries because they're greater setbacks and you get pushed back from training. But personally, I always think the mental battle is my biggest challenge. So the day-to-day training environment is always a challenge because um, you're always trying to challenge yourself to be the best person you can, best version of yourself, to, to push yourself both as a player and as a person, so on and off the court. So being in that like an elite mentality, being training hard, being the biggest challenge, challenge yourself every drill and then challenge yourself off the court to be the best person you can be. I think all that is the greatest challenge as being a player. But if it's on court, I would say injuries because they just throw you off. They're just so challenging to manage sometimes. Just being in that environment surrounded by people who understand um, with the Flames, it's really helpful. So like this past year, we were injury prone which is really upsetting but like frog said in her interview gave other players the ability to step up and the ability to have more court time so in a sense if you're that person getting injured which hopefully touch wood no one does obviously you're going to be under pressure to get back quickly but also you should be happy that someone else is able to fill your shoes so there's obviously pros and cons to every situation but of course injuries it's it's so hard it's so so hard I mean, I'm probably one of the worst persons to sit on the bench um, <laughs> because I just want to be out there. I mean, there was one time I was, I think, because I tore two ligaments in my ankle just before Australian trials. So I had to sit out for, I think it was a week um, before I could tape and just get ready for that. So and I was the worst person to sit on the bench because I was very vocal. I just wanted to be out there. And that competitive nature in me was like, come on, sub me on, sub me on. So, and obviously you couldn't. So you just have to sit there, deal with it, and just be quiet, <laughs> which is always hard. Listening to that, it makes me wonder what the most valuable learning experience has been for you. I mean, like I said, probably the biggest thing is being the development player with the Flames because being around professional athletes, it gives you so much more experience, even if you know it, whether you know it or not. Even though if what, a little 16-year-old coming into training after school, school bags, and there's already always girls, always putting up shots, always there, getting the extra work done. So watching that makes me want to be that. So whether it's um, Alice Kunek putting up shots 50 minutes before training or all the other girls rocking up, getting self mentally ready, rolling, stretching before training starts, before coaches get there. It's just getting prepared for training really well and learning that in that environment. So being the development player, training alongside those players really allows me to just hone in what it means to be a professional athlete. Um, so having that experience, I mean, it's going to – I probably – obviously I realise it now, but I reckon when I'm older and I look back on – that experience, I mean, that's going to be, I mean, that's going to be a huge thing, part of my development, being in that environment. You nailed it there because there's, you're exposed to so many professional players in their, yeah, in their yeah. development phase. Which players have you found to be your greatest inspiration or have influenced or motivated you the most? And why is that? Well, the whole squad, I mean, all of the girls were so lovely and so supportive 
even when obviously I stuffed up so many times at training because I'm learning and um, these things happen. So they're all, oh, don't worry about it. Like, and they showed me how to do it right. And um, they were so supportive of me. Um, but like I said, probably Alice Kronek, former Opal um, in the Opal squad, she's just showed me, um, like I said before, every game, showing me what it means to be a professional, professional athlete mindset, um, being there before anyone else could possibly be there, putting shots up, always getting the extra work done. So me coming down to the AIS, what knowing that she's doing the extra, I want to do the extra. So when we get back from COVID and we're allowed on the courts by ourselves and things like that, um, non-monitoring, I know what I need to do to be like Alice or to be a professional Opal like she is. I've got to say one of the things that I've noticed over the over the years is that the Flames always seems to be a really tight team. They've got a really good yeah. culture, um, yeah. very supportive. Uh, oh, like 100%. It, like yeah. any, any high-performance culture, obviously you're going to have people with differing opinions. But yeah. every time I've seen that, it's always been, yeah, you've got people with different opinions, but they tend to work it through and work it out and come up with a solution that, that seems to work yeah. for the whole team. Yeah, I mean, that's what Frog really helps with. I mean, Frog, she knows how to manage that. So we also, obviously, every single situation have different personalities, different opinions, different ideas. And whether or not Frog is the head coach. So, I mean, Frog always listens to everybody. So in having that person that listens is always really helpful. So even though a development player, I shouldn't say much. Um, I don't say anything because obviously I don't really know that much in that expertise in that area. So and even just listening to the other players, their views on things and their their ideas about what should happen, what they're going to do, what's the defense doing, what we should do to capitalize on that. Um, even just hearing that talk and just that positive encouragement of others and just the positive ideas that are being thrown around. Um, the listening aspect, obviously, I need to learn so much about. So even just listening to that talk has just really, really, really helped me um, knowing what ideas. And so obviously, I'd like to say my IQ's gotten better being with the Flames. Just using the IQ to just break down offences, defences, just other teams, just honing on the details. Um, I mean, that's been huge of my development down there. It helps accelerate yeah. your learning. Now, oh, definitely, yeah. And and talking about accelerating learning, um, I'm guessing that you, like everybody else, um, managed to watch uh, The Last Dance? Oh, of course. And... I mean, I'm a bit slow because I'm training all the time. I think I'm on episode five, <laughs> but I'm getting, I'm getting there. I promise I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> Watching what you've seen so far, has that changed any of yeah. your hoop dreams? Well, my hoop dreams, I mean, obviously WNBA is obviously amazing. Um, but let's be honest, I think it was, I think I read only 2% of all basketballs make it. So obviously since I'm 16, college or university is probably the next thing. I am looking go, to go to America, to go to college. That's been a dream of mine ever since I sort of started playing, getting to know the system. And obviously I want to, want to become a professional basketball player. So either in Australia, in the WNBL, um, in Europe, because I have French citizenship, which also is going to be very good for studying, working, so I can work anywhere in the Europe. Um, and also in the US. I mean, WNBA is obviously amazing, but let's be honest, you have to work very, very, very hard to get there. That's true. But then again, you've got great grounding in the WNBL, which is way up yeah. there in terms of leagues. Yeah, definitely. I but... mean, that's probably my first option to come back and play in that league. 
Because yeah. the league is growing so much. Imports are coming in. The league is just growing so much as a franchise. So um, having that expertise and experience in the WNBL, even as a development player, I just want to be a part of it straight away as soon as I can. So You just threw me for a second because this is something that I didn't know. <laughs> You've got French citizenship. Yeah, I do. I'm part French. <laughs> You're part French. I am part French. Father or mother? Uh, mum's side, yeah. Mum's side. So that means that um, obviously you you're uh, you can speak French as well. I can. I can speak French. Excellent. Oui. <laughs> 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 yeah, I can. Yeah, because I'm guessing that's something that not a lot of people know about you. No, probably not. I guess. Oh, I like to keep it. I don't know because obviously in Australia everyone speaks English, but with my grandma because she's French. I mean, I'm studying it at school at the moment. It's just easy to get in that speaking practice just with over the phone with someone. But it is quite challenging online at the moment because of COVID. Yeah. Um, learning a language online is nearly impossible. So I was nearly fluent before quarantine. I was speaking really well. And since I didn't have that day-to-day speaking, um, I haven't. I obviously haven't lost the language, but I just that confidence. Yeah. Um, even the, even the other day, I was just speaking with my French teacher online over Zoom. Um, I was stuttering and second-guessing myself when, I mean, obviously before that, I had all the confidence because I knew how to speak it and you understood everything. So COVID obviously has bigger challenges than just staying inside. So Yeah, it's it's hard. Look, yeah. any, any language, it's hard. If you're not using it constantly, you just forget yeah. it. And, it and takes... you lose it so quickly. Yep, absolutely. Surprise me how, like, oh. Honestly, two months, and then I forget how to use words. It's just like, wow. Yeah, it, does, so, it doesn't yeah. take long at all. Um, but no. the, the only good thing, and I can tell you this from experience, is that if you immerse yourself in it, it comes back real quick. Oh, that's why I can't wait to travel. I mean, learning a language for so long and then being able to use it, oh, it's amazing. I mean, my family and I, we travelled to France, I think, a few years back. Yep. Um and then just being in that culture, it's like, oh, my gosh, I know how to say things. And people <laughs> understand me. So that's always very positive. It is. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a big thing. It's so rewarding as well. All that years of just in class, learning how to speak the language. What does that mean? And then just being able to understand it when people obviously speak very fast because they're native language. Yep. Um, but then being able to respond in the native language. So that's always very rewarding in that sense. Yeah. Even if your family don't understand a word you're saying, but that's fine. <laughs> that's all right. Look, you'll find over a little bit of time, not only does it all come back, but the speed picks up as well. And then, yeah. you know, it's it's just one of those natural things. Basketball is a great opportunity for you to be able to travel and to be able to use your language and also an in international competition. Um, yeah. The opportunity to be able to talk to some of your uh, some of the other competitors in their, in their native language is also going to be a great help. Yeah, I mean, if I end up playing in Europe, um, I'll have the language, so it won't be as difficult because I know some teams have a translator, which obviously is very hard when the coach is in the timeout, in the language, you don't understand a word of it. So, I mean, if I have French up my sleeve, it's going to be, I wouldn't say easier, but it's going to be less stressful. So, yeah, yeah, it'll be good for me. Yeah, Yeah, it'll be much less stressful in the timeouts. Let me ask you something about... Um, Australian basketball organisations uh, like the Flames and how they help develop young players. Like, if you think back to when you were first starting to get involved in basketball, what could somebody have done 
to like make you go, wow, that's I really want to look at that sport. Actually, I remember when I was just starting to play, I was playing at Comets um, when I was in under 12. I can't remember who it was, but a professional player, I mean, I was very young, but a professional player came and spoke to us. Just having the older, older, older players and older athletes come in and inspire young kids. That's, I mean, to get kids started, I always think that's very important to give them, oh, maybe I could do that, or give them inspiration and a goal to work towards. Just basically exposing kids to uh, yeah. successful professional players who can help inspire them to to try the sport. I mean, yeah. Okay. Even just even just even just to try it, it might not be for them. Like I tried AFL, it just wasn't for me. So, <laughs> and then I moved on to something else. It just giving things a go is probably one of the biggest things. Just have a try, have a crack. And speaking of having a crack, how do you motivate yourself to to get in that? that mindset to to give it a hundred percent i always feel like um because obviously i'm looking into college things the college coaches are contacting things so i always think that okay the top colleges the college coaches are watching me train i always have someone news watching me i want to show them what i can do and i think that was in the last dance documentary i can't remember but i think Michael was saying, I want to prove to everybody. I think I think that's what he was saying. I want to prove to everyone who hasn't seen me play what I can do. I think that just reminded me when I'm training ever since watching that, someone who hasn't watched me play is watching me. What do they want to see I can do? Okay, so look, one last question, and I want to come back to the Flames organisation on this. Yeah. What do you think the Flames as an organisation has that makes it special? Like you said earlier, it's just community. I mean, we've got an amazing fan base. People love coming to games. I mean, you've got Flickr, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Can't can't forget to mention Flickr. Oh, of course not. Of course not. (laughs) Um, But like I said, there's learn to play things. I mean, before games, I was lucky enough to be asked to be one of the coaches for, I think one of the weeks, two hours before games, there's kids that can come do little camps. I mean, that's also really special. Um, and having, I mean, it's very open. You can easily go and talk to Karen, um, Coach Frog, any of the other players. Everyone's so open um, and willing to help you. I mean, Karen has helped me. Oh, I don't know how many years I've known Karen, but I mean, she started me with the Flames Academy, um, being Flickr, being the development player. She hadn't helped me along the way and been willing to provide support with me i definitely wouldn't be where i am no way it's a really great insight so look alana thanks very much for your time no worries um, my pleasure what we'll try and do maybe is check in with you a little later on uh just to see how things are, are progressing for you down in the ais yeah that'd be awesome looking forward to it fantastic thanks for your time alana awesome thank you so much